Good morning. It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Let's stand as we uh, worship this morning. Uh, just uh, be thankful that the uh, Lord allowed us to be here today. And uh, let's just lift up our name, his name and song this morning. That never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. Same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh yes, I will. I count on one same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. Same God who's never late is working all things out. It's working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh yes, I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names. Nothing can stand against, and I choose to praise, to glorify.
we just want to come this morning. We want to thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here. God, we want to thank you for who you are. God, we want to pray as uh, Brother Darrell comes in a little while. Just pray for him. Uh, God, speak through him those things you would have us to hear, God. And we just want to give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me for I took a breath you beat your life in me you have been so so Shadow, you won't light up, mountain, you 
temptation comes my way and when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus show my hope and stay Lord I need you Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, last few verses of Hebrews 10, uh, give me a second, 32 through 39, the rest of the chapter, and we'll start Hebrews 11 next time. Uh, let me say something about our prayer time, our prayer vigil, April the 9th, a couple weeks away, and if you want to join in with us, uh, pray for a half-hour slot, half-hour time slot. Just sign up on the, on the bulletin board outside of our sanctuary. And, uh, but right now, I want to uh, focus in. Uh, each week, I kind of emphasize something different. And I want to emphasize this week uh, prayer requests. If you have a, a prayer request, prayer need, and you'd like for us to pray about that, we'll make a list and, and make that list available for people who are praying to use that list if you want to, if you choose to. So if you have a prayer need, prayer request on your right, there's always a plate over there, and there's a, there's a pen and paper in that plate. And so just write out a simple prayer request, and we'll print all those up and make those available to the people who are praying. Uh, I do want to say something to anybody who, who, is, who is watching on, online. Uh, we do have some folks who who watch, on, watch online and are not hardly ever here. Uh, some some are, out of, are out of state and et cetera. Uh, if you watch online and you'd like to send a prayer request, go to our website. Matt, I didn't have a chance to talk to you before church. And can you hear me? Give a nod if you all right. Uh, at the end of the live stream, can you put our uh, information sheet, uh, information screen up? where they can see our website, et cetera. So if you watch on, online and you would like to submit a prayer request and you're, you're not here and you can't put it in the plate, uh, go to our website and up in the top right-hand corner of our website is a place where you can, uh, can electronically submit your, your uh, prayer request. And Matt's going to put an information screen. Uh, that would be the last thing you see at the end of, end of the live stream. And so uh, firstgeneralbaptisttruman.org, go, go there and you can submit it uh, electronically. I didn't really intend to say this, but I don't see any reason why I shouldn't. 
if, you're, if you watch live stream, there's no way you're ever going to be here to sign up for a half-hour slot. Just pick one out, and you can, you can help us pray. I don't think God really cares <laughs> that, that much exactly what time, but if you, if you watch online and you want to help us pray, on April the 9th, just pick out a, a half-hour time slot and pray. That's all there, is, all there is to it, okay? All right, that's it about prayer. Let's get into God's Word, Hebrews chapter 10, 32 through 39. I believe there's a couple more weeks until Easter. This will be the end of chapter 10. We'll start into chapter 11, the famous chapter on faith. You're going to get so tired of hearing about faith as we go through Hebrews chapter 11. I think what I'm going to do is take the next few weeks up until Easter and preach, I'm going to lead up to Easter. I know Samantha's going to be doing that in Children's Church the next two weeks, and uh, so I, I think I'm going to do that too. So we'll, after today, we'll probably take a, a, a few weeks break from, from Hebrews and prepare for Easter, okay? Hebrews chapter 10. I want to say this again before we read the text I know I've said this quite a few times because it's part of the book, it's part of the context of the book, that Hebrews was probably a pastor uh, preaching to a primarily Jewish congregation, thus the name Hebrews. Jewish congregation that had converted to Christianity. And problems and specifically what we're going to talk about today a little bit, persecution, is tempting these Jewish Christians to go back, to go backward, uh, back to their Jewish faith. or back, Because the persecution of Christians after the resurrection of Jesus became severe. And this, the time frame, there's no way for us to know exactly when the book was written, but we do know that it was written in a span of years. It was somewhere between the, after the resurrection of Jesus and before the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which was in 70 A.D. So there's about a 35-year time span after the resurrection of Jesus destruction of the temple when this book was written. And in that time span, those 35 years, the persecution of the church was severe, but this is a point that I want to make and I want to come back to it, but it was going to get worse. It was already bad, but it was going to get worse. For instance, when you read in the book of Acts, you read uh, shortly after the resurrection of Jesus, the day of Pentecost, the church has started, and, and the historian Luke records in the book of Acts some of the persecution. The church eventually scattered after the death of Stephen and after the death of James. The church scattered because of persecution. So that's kind of the, what, it, what was going on, thus this book. And so the, the pastor is encouraging him to trying to you know, keep them on track, endurance. We're going to look at that word. So I just want to remind you, this, that's nothing that I haven't said quite a few times as we've worked through the book. But I want to remind you one more, because it's, 
especially pertinent to today in this uh, text. So there, there we are, and they're uh, inter- <laughs> interesting, I think, to me. I think the book of Hebrews is a message that this pastor preached, so he did it all at one time. I'm taking about a year or so to go, th- go through it. So you can just imagine as, as a congregation, you think I'm long-winded, okay? All right. Hebrews chapter 10, 32 through 39. So the pastor says, But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with suffering. So this is nothing new. It's been going on. The sufferings and the struggle. Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Not only were you mistreated, but you hung around with people who were too. The whole group was. For you had compassion on me in my chains. So apparently this pastor had spent time in prison also. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Now, Matt, just hang on right there. That you, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. That's a main point that I will come back to. Okay, let's go on to th- 235. Therefore, so, kind of like saying, because you have this enduring uh, possession in heaven, so, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. And now 20, and I'm sorry, in 37 and 38, the pastor quotes out of Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now, the writer, there's an outline of this message on the back side of your announcements. You like to use that. We're going to look at the next screen. Do you believe in heaven? Do you really believe? The, the, the writer uses, uses heaven as an, as an encouragement because of the difficulties that they are going through. Do you believe in heaven? Crazy thing you would think for me to ask, isn't it? Because I suspect that everyone in the room does. I mean, the truth is most people who don't believe in heaven don't go to church here, okay? And probably most people who don't believe in heaven don't go to, don't go to church. But you're here. Do you believe in heaven? Do you really believe? See, what, the, what I'm trying to do when I ask it like that is the knee-jerk reaction that I would expect from almost everyone here is, well, sure I do. Sure I do. I'm, I'm here, right? Do you really believe it, though? So I'm asking you, do you really believe it? Do you think about it? Do you plan for it? Does it... Uh, 
I don't know if I should use the word consume your thoughts, but I'm going to go ahead and use that word because I can't think of a can't think of another one. Do you ever let heaven consume your thoughts? Do you ever think about it? Do you believe in heaven? Do you really believe? Does it change the way you live? Does it change the way you think? I know I don't We'll make a rule about it. I don't know what's best. I don't know how often that we should think about it. But I, I don't think it's too much to say that there probably shouldn't be a day go by and maybe not very many days at all go by that we don't think about this. What's heaven going to be like? And that's not what the message is. It's not, a, it's not me explaining to you what heaven's going to be like. Because frankly, the more I think about it, the more I study, it's just going to be so much different than this that I can't, I, I don't know. I think the Bible has done the best that any book can do, a book can do, to describe what heaven's going to be like. But still, it's just like, wow. Uh, do you ever think about that? But... What the pastor is trying to do in talking about heaven, have faith in that, and that's com coming, and, and that's next, and, that's, and that is to help with the trouble and the persecution and the struggle that's going on right now, to think about heaven, to think about what's, what's coming next, okay? And that's what he's done, and that's why I asked you to pay special attention to that verse 34. You have an enduring possession for, your, for yourselves in heaven. So, you know, just, just think about it. Here's the problem with that, though. I, I don't mean to be facetious about this. I don't mean to take any, anything lightly. When I get to heaven, I don't really think it's going to work like this. But I would, from where I'm standing right now, I would love for Jesus to introduce me to the pastor who wrote this book. I would love that. I would love it. If, it. if it's anything like that, I don't really know that it will be. But if it's anything like that, if I, when I get there, if I, Jesus, is there any way that you can let me meet the guy who wrote that book? And here's what I'd like to ask. I don't really think it's going to be like this, but here's what I'd like to ask. When I, if I could meet the writer, the pastor who preached this, and then wrote this down. I'd like to ask him, did it work? Did it, did it help them? Did it help them? When you talk to your congregation about, look, just hang on. Look, just, just hang on in the struggle. Look, just hang on in the persecution because heaven's next. Did, did, it, did it help? And I think I know the answer because I've tried to do that too. And the answer is probably not. And here's the reason why. It's never worked for me when I'm counseling with someone who's going through a, going through a terrible time, a struggle, and, you know, persecution if we can use that, that word. But anyway, just a terrible struggle in their life. When I talk to them about, hey, just hang on, heaven's next. You know, wait, 
wait for, wait for heaven to get here. It never works. It never seems to help. Why? Because when people are going through a struggle, they just want God to fix the struggle. They don't really... I don't. I I seriously cannot remember anyone who's ever come to me and asked me to encourage them about heavenly things. It's always really the other way. It's something else. It's how can this situation get fixed? Uh, How can I pray? Can you help me pray? To to how can God help me in this situation? Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's, but that's almost entirely what it amounts to. When someone is being persecuted and going through a struggle and going through a really hard time, their concentration is, God, how can this be made better? How can this get fixed? And so when I talk to them about heavenly things, you know, heaven's next, well, that's all fine and good, and we believe that that's true, but that doesn't change the situation that I'm in right now. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't change the situation that I'm in right now. And that's what I need. That's what I want. Look at this next screen. To us, faith is often about believing God for what we want. Hey, and I can't say that's wrong. Faith is often about believing God for what we want. Sometimes that's exactly what we're supposed to do. But the next screen, and if you have your outline, it would be that too. Instead of believing God can work through us what he wants. You see, God is is working through this church. And they're going through suffering and persecution to a degree that most of us can't even imagine. But God is working through this church and the Hebrew pastor is talking to them about heaven, heaven's next. And he's saying, hang on, hang on, because, and here's what nobody in the room wants to hear. I've never had anybody in my study who wanted to hear this. I've never had anybody in church who wants to hear this. But the pastor is saying to them, in effect, heaven's next, I want you to... I want you to be ready for that. I want you to be, to be looking forward to that because, frankly, I can't guarantee you that the things on earth that you're going through are really going to change. And so heaven is what you've got to look forward to. Nobody ever wants to hear that. All we want to hear is, and rightly so, I'm right there with you. I'm human right there with you. But what we want to hear is, is God's going to change my situation. God's going to fix the problem. And if we pray about it, and if we pray about it in the right way, and if we have enough faith, then God's going to change the situation, and God's going to fix the problem. And sometimes it works like that. And frankly, church, sometimes it doesn't. Because God's got things going, God's got things planned, God's got things going with you and planned for you that you cannot see. And suffering and some persecution, if we can use that word, some 
some problems along the way, some tests of faith along the way, is part of it as God works his plan. Nobody wants to hear that, but that's the truth. So, and I'm going to use the, uh, the scriptures that the Hebrew writer wrote, but I'm going to make two analogies from the Bible first before we close with my comment on Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. First one is Jesus. As Jesus is preparing to go to the cross, isn't it odd? Uh, Matt, let's go ahead and put that next screen up, and we'll leave this last screen up. Through your suffering, testing, and need of faith is where you will be used by God. Now, that's one of those kind of neat things to say, but we're living through it. It's easier to say and it's harder to live through. But through your suffering and your testing and your need of faith is where you will be used by God. Jesus getting ready to go to the cross and he goes, he's praying in the garden, uh, garden of Gethsemane and he asks the Father and he says, Father, if there's any other way, can I, can I not do this? Is there any way for me to get around this? Father, is there any way for you to fix this? Father, is there any way for you to change this? Is there any way that I can, that I can be in your will and not go to the cross? I don't want the human part of Jesus Christ. I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want them to put the nail through my hands. I don't want that crown of thorns on my head. Of course he doesn't. He's human like us. He's God like we're not, but he's human like us. He knows what's coming. Father, is there any way that I can escape this? Is there any way you can fix this, change this? And the Father says, no. No. If, you're, if Jesus is to be used by God the Father, he must go through this. Isn't it odd how us as the followers of Christ somehow get the thought sometimes that we know that Jesus had to go through that and we know the suffering that he had to go through, but we shouldn't have to. Why do we think that? It's so popular to think that. That if you'll pray just right or believe just right or bolster your faith just right, that you can escape all of the problems, the difficulties. Why do you think that? The Bible doesn't say that. And so for Jesus to be used, this is a pattern that God has set. And I don't like the pattern. But this is the pattern that God has set, that through suffering is where you will be used. Through suffering. Not through the escape of suffering. But through suffering is where you will be used. The second analogy is Paul. And it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. A famous chapter, Paul has a thorn in the flesh. Something's wrong with Paul. He hates it. Something is physically wrong with Paul. It's called, he calls it, a thorn in the flesh. And I'm going to turn there. You, you can if you want to. I didn't put this on the, on the uh, 
out on the outline. But anyway, so Paul has a thorn in the flesh, and he prays three times, God, is there any way you can fix this? Is there any way you can change this? I don't like this. I don't like the suffering that I'm having to go through. God, will, will you? Can you? Will you? And the Father says, no. And he said to me, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Jesus said, my strength is made perfect in weakness, not in strength, but in weakness. The power of Jesus is made perfect in your weakness, not in your strength. We think it's the other way around. If I can, you know, be stronger, if I can be better, if I can be this or that, then God will use me. And that's not what the Bible says. Therefore, Paul said, therefore must, most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities. Those are things that are wrong with me. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in need, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I take some things Paul said over the years and I try to learn it. Not memorize it. Learn it. What that really means. When I am weak, then Christ is strong through me. Not when I'm strong, but when I'm weak. So there's the analogy of Jesus hanging on the cross. There's the analogy of Paul and his thorn in the flesh. We finished up Hebrews chapter 10. Do you know what the first verse of Hebrews chapter 11 says? Most of you do. And we're not going to preach that to today. That's next. After Easter, this comes next. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm not going to preach on that verse, but isn't that a very familiar verse to you? Haven't you, most of you, haven't you heard that verse since you were, were, a child, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not, not seen. Most of us could just say that verse just, you know, because we've heard that verse so often. I wonder how many times that verse has been quoted. There's no way to know that. I wonder how many times that verse has been read. I wonder how many times that, that verse is in a devotion. But I bet you, I know preachers aren't supposed to bet, but I bet you that you won't find hardly any year-long devotion book that doesn't use, at some point, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Here's what I want you to think about. That pastor didn't know when he wrote this book, when he preached the message, when he wrote this book, he had no idea he was writing the Bible. He didn't know. He had no idea what this was. He, he was just writing a message to his church that's it and he was writing to a church 
And he's saying, I, I, I want you to hang on. I want you to endure. I want you to think about he heaven. Now, he didn't say it, but what happened was, and, and I don't know if he could ever see this, it only got worse. The persecution didn't get better. It got worse. But that pastor's in heaven now, and his congregation's in heaven now. And what he wrote has been quoted, I would think, millions of times. This book that he wrote under persecution has probably been preached thousands of times, maybe hundreds of thousands of times. And that one verse that's next, the next verse, has been used millions of times, just countless times, because of what they went through. Because of what they went through. Through your suffering and your testing and your need of faith, that is where you will be used by God. There is no other way. It is through that suffering. It is through what you're going through right now. It is through your test of faith that God begins to use you. You see, a lot of us, almost all of us, are trying to escape it and get out of it, get away from it. God change it. God take it. Can you Start praying like this. Now, it would be unhuman, inhuman of me, probably, to not ever pray, God, can you take this away? Because that's what Jesus did. That's what Paul did. Hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. God, can you take this away? God, will you take this away? But if you won't, and if you aren't going to, God, use this. Father, use me. In ways there is absolutely no way that pastor, that church could ever dream or see what would become of what they went through. Millions of people have been touched by what that persecuted church went through. How many people will be touched by what you're going through? Can you look at it that way? Instead of only being, God, can I escape this some way? Now let it be, God, will you use this some way? Will you use this some way? And more specifically, God, will you use me some way? Will you use what I'm going through to reach someone else? like Jesus hanging on the cross, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, like that Hebrew church. God, will you use me some way to reach someone else, to help someone else, to encourage someone else? God, will you use me? I'm going to ask you to stand, and musicians are going to come. We're going to pray. It's impossible for me to know what, it, what is going on in your life, what the situation is, it's impossible for me to see that. God sees it.
and you know it, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the tribulation, the trial, the heaviness, the burden, the problem is. God sees that. I don't. I think you ought to ask the Lord, can I get out of this? Can you change this? But if he's not going to, can you right now begin to change your prayer a little bit by saying, God, if, if you're not going to, if this is the way, if this is what I'm going to have to go through, then can you use me? Can you use this? Will you use me? Because, Lord, I want to be, I want to make good out of this bad. I want it to be, I want to be profitable for the kingdom's sake. God, will you use me in your kingdom's work going through this difficult time? If you need to come and pray, we have our altars here, the chairs here. You can stand, sit, and kneel. But if you want to come and pray and just talk to the Lord about, whatever it is that's going on in your life right now, then we invite you to come as they play and sing. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, He counts not their sum thrown into a sea without bottom or shore our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the would wait as we constantly what father so tender is calling us home he welcomes the weakest the vilest the poor our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the Mercy is more. 
Jesus, new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he lavished on us his blood was the payment his life was the cost we stood neath the dead we could never afford our sins they are many his mercy is more praise the is more 